The mules are in the corral. Welcome to Mule Talk, and I'm Cindy K. Roberts, your host. On this episode of Mule Talk, we have a very special guest, and she is Dr. Josie Traub Dargetz, Professor Emeritus of Internal Medicine, who retired from the Colorado State University College of Veterinary Medicine and Biomedical Sciences in 2017. And she has done some remarkable work. Dr. Josie, thank you for coming on. Thank you, Cindy, for the opportunity. And today's goal in participating, we are going to talk about a condition that is very critical to mule foals. So I will let you just inform our listeners what is going on. Well, the purpose of my participation in this podcast is to provide educational information to equine owners and breeders to familiarize them with a condition called neonatal isoerythrolysis, and it's abbreviated NI, and I'm going to emphasize this condition, uh, particularly in mule foals. So I'd like to start with a few take-home messages. It's important for owners of mares that are pregnant with a mule foal to discuss NI with their veterinarian well before the mare's delivery date so that the veterinarian can gather the information needed to provide specific recommendations related to the management of the mare and her foal. This may include the veterinarian gathering historical information about the mare, assisting the owner with determining the likely delivery date of the mule foal, their review of the veterinary literature related to NI, and they may consult with equine veterinary specialists if they feel the need for additional information on this condition. This allows the veterinarian to provide optimal recommendations to the owner or breeder related to the care of the animals. A second point, because NI occurs more commonly in mule foals than in horse foals, and the occurrence of NI can be life-threatening, It's better to prevent NI than to treat it. To do this, there needs to be planning related to the assessment and management of the mare and foal. The timing of prevention strategies is critical. Planning allows for all the key components of the plan to be in place prior to the delivery of the foal and to be implemented in a timely way to optimize the success of the plan. Your veterinarian will play a key role in assisting you with the development and implementation of a care plan. So can you give us a description of NI and some general information about why it occurs? So neonatal isoerythrolysis, and as I previously mentioned, it's abbreviated NI, is an immune-mediated hemolytic anemia of newborn foals, mediated by maternal anti-red blood cell antibodies, from the mare's clostrum. For those that may not know, clostrum is the first milk produced by the foaling mare. Clostrum is a source of concentrated antibodies that are important in protecting the foal from infection early in life. So the conditions that are necessary for NI to occur include the foal must inherit a red blood cell, also called a erythrocyte type, from the sire that the mare does not have. The dam or mare, especially if previously sensitized to these red blood cells based on previous incompatibility with the sire of her foal, 
mounts an antibody response during the current pregnancy and concentrates these anti-red blood cell antibodies in her colostrum. The foal then ingests and absorbs antibodies from the colostrum in sufficient quantities and types to cause disease. These absorbed antibodies are of a nature that cause destruction and or rapid removal of the foal's red blood cells. Occasionally there's destruction of another type of blood cell called the platelet. Red blood cells are important because they carry oxygen throughout the body and platelets are important in blood clotting. Okay, so can you tell us what the clinical aspects and signs of NI in foals are? So the foals appear normal at birth uh, because the antibodies don't cross the placenta from the mare to the foal. The clinical signs of NI in foals are generally recognized in the first few days of the foal's life, but they can occur later in some foals. Uh, It's been reported up to 12 days of age. The clinical signs of equine NI include weakness and lethargy, decrease in suckling the mare, rapid breathing, pale or yellow discoloration of the mucous membranes, a red color to the urine, and in severe cases, collapse and death can occur. So what are the major medical considerations for foals with NI? So the treatment of NI will be determined based on the severity of the condition. Some foals with NI will require hospitalization to receive optimal care. Foals with severe NI will require a blood transfusion. Foals with mild to moderate anemia and other signs of NI when first evaluated should be under veterinary supervision so that they can be monitored for worsening of their condition and thus allow for prompt intervention if indicated. There are multiple aspects of treatment of NI that are beyond the discussion of this podcast, so I'm not going to go into them uh, here, but certainly the veterinarian for these owners and breeders can talk to them about that. Okay, okay. So how often does NI occur in foals? So the prevalence of NI in horse foals varies by breed, and it's been estimated to be 1% to 2% of horse foals. Prevalence of NI in mule foals is higher than in horse foals and has been estimated to be approximately 10%. Wow. So approximately 1 in 10 mule foals is at risk for this disease. Well, that's high. So why is the prevalence of NI higher in mule foals than in horse foals? So I'd like to answer that by giving a historical perspective on the topic. So in the late 1980s and into the 1990s, When I was a faculty member at Colorado State University, I worked with a colleague of mine at Louisiana State University, and we conducted several studies to try to determine the reason why mule foals were more likely to develop NI than horse foals. A mule breeder in northern Colorado, Meredith Hodges of Lucky Tree Ranch, facilitated our work by allowing us to collect samples from her mares and mules as well as her donkey Jack that she was using to breed her mares with. As part of our project, we were also able to obtain samples from donkeys and mules from multiple U.S. states, Mexico, and Brazil. This work resulted in identification of a unique donkey red blood cell antigen or factor that was not found in any horses that were tested as part of our project. 
We also found that donkey factor, which is what we called it, occurred in all mule foals that we evaluated. So it appeared that mule foals consistently inherit this factor from their donkey sire. The conclusion from this work was that all donkey sire horse mare matings are incompatible for this blood factor. It also appeared that donkey factor was very antigenic to some horse mares, meaning it is likely to cause them to make antibody to their foal's red blood cells, especially if they've previously had a mule foal. In our project, based on testing mares from the Lucky Tree Ranch, we found that some mares even developed detectable antibodies to donkey factor on their first mule pregnancy. It's important to acknowledge that although all donkey sire horse mare matings are incompatible based on this blood type, other factors potentially play a role in whether the mare will go on to produce anti-donkey factor antibodies. So how can an owner of a mare that is pregnant with a mule foal determine if the foal is at risk for NI? So the owner of any mare that is pregnant with a mule foal should discuss with their veterinarian the potential of the foal developing NI and the need for screening the mare for NI antibodies. This discussion should occur well before the mare's delivery date so that the veterinarian can provide the best advice to the owner on management options. Any mare that's produced a foal that developed NI is likely to produce more. The risk of producing another NI foal is greater if the mare is bred to the same sire or another sire with the same inciting blood type as that of the original sire. Mares that have previously produced an NI foal should be screened for anti-red blood cell antibody in subsequent pregnancies. Any mare bred to a donkey are at high risk of producing a newborn with NI, especially if they have previously had a mule foal and thus they are excellent candidates for anti-red blood cell or anti-erythrocyte antibody screening. How can NI be prevented? So the key to prevention is screening the mare prior to the delivery of her foal to determine if she's producing NI antibodies. Routinely, the mare's serum is tested for anti-red blood cell antibodies late in pregnancy as close to foaling as possible by still allowing the test results to be available prior to foaling. So generally it's the samples collected one to three weeks prior to the anticipated delivery date. This testing helps determine whether a foal is likely to develop NI. It's possible that the mare may produce detectable NI antibodies prior to these last few weeks of pregnancy especially if the blood type she's reacting to is very energetic, which is true of donkey factor. So owners and their veterinarian could discuss submitting a screening test, say between 30 and 45 days prior to her anticipated delivery date. If the test is strongly positive at that time, then it gives the owner and their veterinarian more time to plan for all of that is needed to be done to manage the foal at risk for NI. The caveat in this earlier testing is that if the test is negative or only low levels of NI antibodies are detected, then another screening test should be submitted closer to the foaling date as the mare may not have produced detectable NI antibodies until this later time in pregnancy. 
at the University of California Veterinary Medicine Teaching Hospital Clinical Diagnostic Laboratories in Davis, California, anti-red blood cell antibody testing is performed using a panel of red blood cells from 11 horses and one donkey. In addition, if the sire's red blood cells are available, cross-matching with the mare's serum is also performed at no extra charge. Other laboratories do perform anti-screening of mares to detect antibodies, but may only detect antibodies to horse red blood cell types because they may not include donkey RBCs in their testing panel. So your veterinarian would need to contact any other laboratory they're considering submitting samples to to clarify that they can indeed perform the necessary testing to detect the antibody to donkey factor. Some laboratories may be able to do this testing if provided with blood samples from both the donkey sire and the horse mare being tested. The veterinarian should contact the laboratory prior to submitting any samples to determine the kind of samples needed, to gather details on how samples should be submitted and shipped, to obtain and complete the necessary submission forms, and to verify when the test results will be available and how the laboratory will report those results back to the submitting veterinarian. Since it's very important that the results of testing be available prior to the birth of the foal, the timing is critical to success of the management plan. If the antibody screening is positive for lytic antibodies to red blood cells, the foal should be muzzled after birth. By muzzling the foal immediately after birth, it will prevent the foal from consuming the dam's claustrum that contains the antibodies that can damage its red blood cells. However, it's critically important that the foal receives adequate amount of good quality replacement claustrum immediately after it's born, as soon as it has a suckle reflex, given over several feedings. The management of the foal during this critical period should be under the advisement of a veterinarian. Once the foals receive the predetermined amount of replacement claustrum, the foal will require milk for nutritional support until it can be allowed to suckle the mare, which is generally 24 to 36 hours. Generally by this time, the mare would no longer have NI antibodies in the milk as long as she's been milked out every two hours during that time. In addition, the foal generally is no longer able to absorb intact protein. The owner should consult with their veterinarian about the timing of allowing the foal to suckle the dam as there is a test called the jaundice foal agglutination test that the veterinarian could perform to determine when the foal could be allowed to suckle the mare. The veterinarian can also assist with recommendations on methods of introducing the foal to suckling the mare. Prior to needing to provide milk for the foal, the owner should have consulted with their veterinarian on their recommendations for a milk source, along with the amount and frequency of feeding. It's generally recommended that the foal be fed milk or milk replacer at least every two hours, and the amount fed will depend on the size of the foal. So again, the input of the veterinarian is important. The foal should be tested at 12 hours of age to determine that it has received adequate passive transfer of antibodies, these protective antibodies, from the replacement claustrum. 
if it's determined that the foal has not had adequate passive transfer of protective antibodies, then it will need to have additional antibodies provided in the form of additional replacement clostrum and potentially supplemented with a concentrated equine serum product to be given orally. It's important that a veterinarian determines the options for improving the protective antibody level in the foal's blood in a timely manner as the foal's at increased risk of infection until it's determined it has adequate passive transfer. If the foal had an adequate level of passive transfer at 12 hours of age, the level of passive transfer should be reassessed after the interventions have taken place and this should be performed by uh, 24 hours of age to assure that it's had adequate passive transfer. Obtaining good quality replacement colostrum can be very challenging. It's one of the most challenging parts of managing uh, NI risk as it's not commercially available. There are multiple aspects about colostrum that need to be assessed to determine its quality and how much an individual foal needs to receive. So this is something the owner should discuss with their veterinarian so that they understand what constitutes good quality colostrum and where it might be obtained. The quality of colostrum is categorized based on the level of protective antibodies it contains. There was a presentation at the American Association of Equine Practitioners meeting in 2022 by Dr. Emily May that describes using a BRICS refractometer to evaluate the quality of colostrum. It was determined that this was a rapid, accurate, and inexpensive way to evaluate the level of protective antibodies in equine colostrum. Regarding potential sources of equine colostrum, some of the larger veterinary practices in equine breeding areas and equine reproduction centers that offer foaling services may have an equine colostrum bank. This colostrum bank is generally maintained for treatment of their clients' foals, but some of these facilities may be willing to provide colostrum to others seeking it. There is generally a charge for the colostrum as well as a shipping charge. Some large breeding farms have created a colostrum bank to meet the needs of the farm's own foals. Some of these farms may be willing to provide colostrum if they have access available. The colostrum should have been evaluated to determine the overall antibody level or quality and only colostrum categorized as very good or good should be used. The colostrum must have been properly stored and when given to the foal, uh, the colostrum must have been properly thawed to make sure the critical protective antibodies were not destroyed in the thawing process. In addition, it's optimal that the mare providing this replacement colostrum should have been tested for the presence of NI antibodies, including antibodies to donkey factor. If the mare providing the replacement colostrum has not been tested for anti-donkey factor antibodies, then it would be important to know that she never carried a mule foal, as it would be very unlikely the mare providing the replacement colostrum would have anti-donkey factor antibodies in her colostrum if she never had a mule pregnancy. 
Owners should discuss with their veterinarian what they recommend for evaluation of the replacement plastrum so that the foal receives the important protective antibodies and that the risk of inducing NI in the foal is minimized. Further, during that time the foal's muzzled, so once it's had its protective uh, or replacement claustrum, the mare should be milked every two hours to deplete the supply of her milk that would contain anti-red blood cell antibodies. It has been recommended that any claustrum from a mare that has tested positive for any type of anti-antibodies be discarded. The claustrum from any mare that's produced antibodies to donkey factors should never be given to a mule or donkey foal as claustrum source. The owners could discuss with their veterinarian whether the claustrum that they will be removing from their mare would have any utility for use as a claustrum source for a horse foal. So to summarize, that was a lot of information. So some key bullets to summarize, if a foal is at high risk of NI based on screening of the mare. Uh, the following is a list of the necessary applies that'll be needed. So a foal muzzle to prevent the foal from suckling the mare. A bottle with a goat or sheep nipple to feed the foal the replacement claustrum that will then be followed by providing milk for nutritional support until the foal can be allowed to suckle the mare. There will need to be frozen claustrum from an anti-negative mare that has been tested to ensure high levels of protective antibodies that will be properly thawed and fed to the foal as soon as it has a suckle reflex and over the next few hours until it re receives the amount of replacement claustrum that's been determined with their veterinarian, the owner's veterinarian. A source of milk or good quality foal milk replacer to use until the foal can be allowed to suckle the mare. And options include goat's milk, which is now available at most groceries and health food stores, or from farms where goats are milked, or a foal milk replacer, high quality foal milk. What if the foal at risk of NI is born unattended and potentially has suckled the mare when first observed? If the foal that's at risk of NI were to be delivered unattended and had begun to suckle the mare when uh, it was first observed, then it should be muzzled immediately to prevent further consumption of the dam's claustrum and then provided with the alternate or replacement claustrum along with all the other steps for managing the foal of NI that we've previously outlined. The owners should contact their veterinarian to determine further management strategies including the need to monitor the foal for development of NI, since it would have already consumed at least some of the mare's claustrum that has the anti-donkey factor antibodies. It seems that preventing NI could be challenging on the farm. So what are the options for owners and their veterinarian to explore if they wanna know other alternatives? I think it is challenging when uh, people think about all the things we've just mentioned that have to fall into place to try to prevent NI uh, in foals at risk. So if the owners and their veterinarian find that they're concerned about providing the necessary monitoring of the late pregnant mare, so this is 24-7, and the aftercare of the foal at risk of NI, they should discuss the options of having the mare deliver the foal 
at an equine reproduction facility or a veterinary clinic that offers the management of high-risk pregnant mares and their foals. There are equine reproductive centers that offer a foaling service. Some of these centers list the services they provide on their website. So for example, the Colorado State University Equine Reproduction Laboratory lists that they not only provide the 24-7 monitoring of the mare for foaling, but they also offer more advanced services such as those necessary to manage a foal at risk of NI, including having banked claustrum available to the foal along with all the other previously described steps that need to be undertaken to prevent NI in the foal. They also do testing to assure adequate passive transfer. So be important to contact these operations as much in advance of the mare's foaling date as possible to determine if they can meet the mare and foal's needs, what the costs are, and to determine if they will have an opening as most of these facilities will have limited capacity. So what are your summary comments on management of NI? I guess in summary, the management of equine NI cases and the prevention of the condition through screening of the mare for anti-antibodies can be challenging. It's important that owners discuss NI with their veterinarian well in advance of the mare's delivery date in order to have time to determine the optimal management strategies. What are sources of further information on NI for owners and veterinarians? So kind of circling back to the take-home message I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, I think for owners... The most important source of further information on NI is through having discussions of the condition with their veterinarian, because they're going to need their veterinarian as a partner in trying to manage the risk of NI. Uh, In addition, if owners want to read about NI in foals, I'll mention a few resources. There's a general review of NI in foals on the Haggard Equine Medical Institute website. This review is not specific to mule foals, but it is a good overview of NI and foals. In addition, Meredith Hodges at the Lucky Tree Ranch has a summary of uh, equine NI and her experiences with NI and mule foals on the Lucky Tree Ranch website. For veterinarians, there there is a description of NI and foals in many veterinary textbooks. And I'll just mention a few examples. There's an in-depth description in the Equine Internal Medicine textbook edited by Stephen Reed, Warwick Bailey, and Deborah Sellen. There's also a description of NI and mule folds in the Equine Emergency textbook edited by Dr. James Orsini and Dr. Thomas Divers in a chapter entitled Emergency Management of Mules and Donkeys. There's also a review article on strategies for prevention of neonatal isurethrolysis in horses and mules by Dr. Jill McClure-Blackmer in the Equine Veterinary Educational Journal, Manual 6. Uh, It was uh, pages 6 through 10, and it appeared in 2003 uh, edition. Well, Dr. Josie, I feel like this is a lot of information, and it's certainly needed in the mule industry to help educate 
mule owners and mule breeders. I want to thank you very much for coming on to Mule Talk, and we will talk again because I feel like this is this is needed to be an ongoing discussion. So, where can mule breeders and mule owners get more information about this issue? I would encourage owners to contact their veterinarian, and their veterinarian can consult with internists, uh, critical care specialists at the universities and some of the large practices and also with uh, veterinarians that manage high-risk pregnancies in mares um, and their specialists in theriogenology at um, many of these equine foaling centers. Very good. Well, thank you so much again for coming on, and we will talk soon. Okay. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or a sponsor, send me an email. Everycowgirlsdream at gmail.com. Gotta go. My mule is looking for me. Mule Talk is an Every Cowgirl's Dream production.